about why Jesus died. So the title of this lesson is, Why Did Jesus Die? Uh, to be honest with you, I thought Todd was brilliant. When I heard what he shared, I thought to myself, I think we should just go into the groups right now. You know, because what he shared was wonderful, his testimony about how he came to faith and how he came to know the Lord. So I'm going to really, in a way, um, kind of expound a little bit on some of the things Todd said. Um, but in your groups, you'll be able to discuss it more. And I promise you, I'm going to try and stop about uh, 10 past latest. Uh, so if I'm going over time, just say time. And then I'll say keep quiet. No, and then I'll... And then, no. All right. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I think John 3.16 is probably the most famous verse in the Bible. And uh, I remember at times when I'm sharing um, um, the gospel with people who do not know Jesus, and when I've quoted this verse, sometimes they've been able to quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, the gospel is good news, and it is good news about a God who loves humanity. And the death of Jesus is about love, and it's about God's love. God's love for humanity, God's love for you, and God's love for me. And understanding and accepting the true purpose of God behind our Lord Jesus' death will totally change our view of life our relationship with God himself, and even it will affect all other relationships that we have. That's how profound the death of our Lord Jesus Christ is. Because like he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the question is, why did Jesus died. There was a problem with humanity. There was a challenge facing God himself. And uh, the reality is that there are many people who live in our world today who have no idea of the reality of eternity and the fact that there is a problem in their life. The other day I was listening to LBC and uh, there was this controversy about um, homosexuality being a sin. The question was asked, is homosexuality a sin? And you had politicians who said, no, it's not a sin. And then there were those who were, one, one time Tim Farron said, it's not a sin. Then he said, I don't want to talk about it anymore. But I was listening to Sheila Fogarty, I don't know, I don't know what her surname, Sheila someone, Fogey something. And she said this, she said, now we all know that they're lying to us. That's what she said. She's not a, I don't believe she's a Christian. She said, we all know the politicians are lying to us, you know, but nobody's going to be bold enough to say that homosexuality is a sin. Now, of course, as far as our society is concerned, it is acceptable now. It is acceptable, and that's fine. But from God's economy, of course, homosexuality, like every other lust of the flesh, is a sin. And uh, the reality is, is that people don't like to call sin, sin these days. And uh, another guy on LBC said, I don't want, he said, he's, he's, he's gay. He said, he's gay. And he said, I don't want anybody telling me that I'm a sinner. And I thought, well, unfortunately, well, good for you because you're not talking to me. Because I would, I'm guarantee you that if we were talking and he asked me, so are you telling me I'm a sinner? I'd say, of course you are. 
you're a sinner, just like everybody is a sinner without God's grace. I was a sinner, and then God saved me. That's how it is. We're all sinners saved by grace when we come to faith. Now, look at you. Some of you are looking nervous already because you're saying, this is an alpha course. You're not supposed to say anything like that. We, we have said it, so let's just move on. Now, the fact is there is a problem of sin. There is a problem of sin, you know. And we don't like to mention the problem of sin. But there is a real problem of sin. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not just people who are in some kind of sexual relationship that the Bible says is sin, but everybody has sinned. And I think this is the problem. At times we try and make it out that one sin is bigger than the other. No, all have sinned. All have sinned. Whether you're straight, whether you're gay, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're black, whether you're white, all have sinned. Even Chinese people have sinned. All have sinned. Everybody has sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. And that is true. But the problem is, so what? All have sinned, so what? What does that mean? How does that affect me? How does that affect you? The fact is, sin creates a barrier between us and God. And the sin problem that every human being inherited has caused a big problem for humanity and has caused a big problem for God. It was a big problem for God. Why? Because God loves human beings. God loves us in spite of our sin. God loves us in spite of our sin. God wants us in spite of our sin. But God will not force himself on us. God will not force us to choose to serve him. He will not force us to let go of our sin. You see, Jesus said he didn't come into the world to condemn us because of our sin. Because our sin already condemns us. Our sin condemns us. How? It puts a barrier between us and God. And like everything, there is a consequence to our sin. Now, there's some people who say, I'm not so bad. Joseph, you're going on as if I am a bad person. You know, I'm not so bad. You know, just because my lifestyle is different from yours doesn't mean that I am a bad person. And I probably will say to you, your lifestyle is probably better than mine. But that's not the issue. So let me give you an example. Two people were supposed to catch a bus at 9 o'clock. One misses the bus one minute past 9. The other one missed the bus at 9.30. They both missed the bus. Or two people accept an invitation to a party on condition that when they go to that party, they are dressed in white with no stain. One person goes to the gate covered in mud and they're not accepted to come in. The other person goes to the gate, the front is completely white, the back is completely white, except there's a little spot on their garment. They are also not accepted. Why? Because they are disqualified. There is a stain. The, the condition is your garments have to be completely white. And that is the reality about sin. Sin disqualifies all of us. And I really don't like it at times when Christians try to um, focus on one sin or society tries to focus on one sin above another. I think it's completely 
off base. For me, the issue is not, is a person straight, is a person gay? Those things are not the issue because all have sin. All of us have sin. And there isn't one sin that you do that allows you entrance and another sin that you do that you can't enter. All have sin. In fact, the Bible says this, that every human being has been infected with the sin nature from our first parents. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, the Bible says, Just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all, all men, because all sinned. So this sin condition, if we leave it unchecked in our lives, has devastating consequences to our lives here on earth, to our relationship with each other, but more importantly, it has devastating consequences on our relationship with God and also in the afterlife, in the age to come. So what is the impact of our sin? Number one, there is the pollution of, of sin. So because sin is in our lives, we have all been polluted by it. In other words, it has infected us like a virus. It has infected our being. Our Lord Jesus said something in Mark chapter 7, verses 20 to 23. He said this. What it, he said, what comes out of a man is what defiles a man. From, so from within and out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. I wonder how many of these you did yesterday. Um, all these evil things <laughs> come from within and defile a man. Because the issue was, you know, how comes people are eating um, certain foods and, you know, they're, and they're becoming ceremonially unclean? And Jesus said, it's not what a person eats that makes them unclean. It's what comes out of their heart. It's what defiles them. And the bottom line is, in all of us, outside of God's grace, what comes out of our heart is a nature that is against God and against his will. So there is the pollution of sin. Then there is the power of sin. Sin has an innate power to be able to control us. In John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Sin has power to cause us to do things outside of our own will. I bet you know what I'm talking about. Because I certainly know what I'm talking about, about my own life. At times, there's been things that you do and you think, why did I do that? Things that we say and we think, why did I say that? Because there is a power that sin has. There is something in us. At times, we, we see um, the thing about sin, and we, we th feel like we are helpless victims to a nature that we can't explain. And then there is the penalty of sin. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of us, when we see bad things happening in the world, atrocities happening in the world, we want to see justice. How many of you want to see justice when you see bad things? When you see children abused, when you see the vulnerable being, being taken advantage of, when you see injustice, 
there's something in us that says, nah, this is not right. We want to see justice. Isn't that right? But the question is, where does it stop? Where does it stop? You know, we will see, we'll see someone like Adolf Hitler and we'll say, definitely, that guy deserves to go to hell and so forth. And then we will see somebody else's sin and we'll say, oh, it's not so bad because they're not harming anybody. But you see, what we all forget is the breath that we are breathing is not ours. God gave it to us. The hands that we have, the life that we have was given to us. We are stewards of our life. And we are accountable to the one who made us. The good thing about the one who made us is he's a perfect being who loves us, who is for us, who wants to help us. He's not some, some, some sadistic being out there who doesn't feel, doesn't care about what we go through, contrary to what we may think because of what we see in the world. God really loves us. But God also knows that every action has consequence. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You see, in God's economy, all our actions, not some, all our actions will be weighed in the balance one day. And the balance is his holiness, his justice, his love, his mercy. And you look at all of that, and from that position, he'll pass judgment, you see. And I tell you something, there will be people that will make it that we may feel shouldn't make it. And then there will be people that will not make it that we will say, how comes they didn't make it? Because we are looking things from a human perspective. But God takes everything into consideration. God takes everything into consideration. And that's what I want to say to you. We must never, and I want to emphasize this point, we must never think that one lifestyle or one practice of sin is worse than another. Or one practice that society says is bad and another that society says is okay, is okay. What we must always look at is what does God, the creator, have to say about anything. So there is the penalty of sin. And then there is the partition of sin. In other words, the fact that sin brings separation. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. You see, sin acts as a barrier between us and God. It separates us. Even sin separates us from each other. Sometimes when you do something wrong with somebody, you don't want to see them, isn't it? Yeah, or you don't care. I don't care. I'm going to see them anyway. When, at times when we do something wrong, you know, we've done wrong, we are embarrassed to meet certain people. As a pastor, sometimes when people do something wrong, they think that I'm the last person they should see. As if I have never done anything wrong. But trust me, we're all in the same boat in one sense. So, this represents the bad news about sin. 
The bad news is that it pollutes us. It has power over us. It, um, there is a penalty for sin. And that it separates us between God. That's the bad news. So what's the solution? Well, Todd touched on it. The good news is, the scripture we read, that God so loved us that he did not want us left with the consequences of sin and the consequences of our own sin. And so he provided the solution to our sin problem. Now, in no way trying to undermine the complexities of some of the things that we're touching on, but just for the sake of simplicity, we'll highlight two issues about the solution um, that God has provided. The first one is what is referred to as the self-substitution of God. What does that mean? It's a big word. I read it, self-substitution, and I thought, yeah, that sounds intelligent. But what does that mean? Well, 1 Peter 2.24 says something like this. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. God made a solution like this. He was to come down on this earth in the person of his son, our Lord Jesus, and take upon himself the consequences of our sin through the death of on a cross. So what Jesus did was he was willing to take the penalty for sin, the sin of humanity. The sin of humanity, but more importantly, your sin. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I was a younger believer, and I'd hear people say, if you were the only person in the world, Jesus would have still come for you. I honestly thought, whatever, I don't believe that. Why would he do that? For one person? Nah. For the whole world, yeah, but not for one person. But the more I've gone to, gotten to know him, the more I realize it really is true. And it's most true as I become a parent. As a parent, I know for sure I would do anything for my children to help them. I would be willing to die for my children. Even my naughtiest children. I'll be willing. It's not even an issue. You know, as much as at times they may upset me, I may get angry with them. Yes, I may get angry with them. And yes, I may discipline them in love. Yes, discipline them in love. In the socially acceptable discipline. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> but still, I would do anything for my children. I would die for them. I would gladly die for my children. In shame, in humiliation. Why? Because I love them. How much more God? How much more God? So I am convinced if you were the only person, he would be willing to go through it all for you. But there's not only the, uh, the, the fact that he took our place. He suffered on the cross. There's the agony of the cross. Isaiah 53, 6 says this. All we like sheep. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Everybody has gone astray. Again, this is why I don't like this argument about adultery, about homosexuality, about this sin and that sin. I don't like it because it's taking the emphasis of the wrong thing. All have gone astray. All of us have gone astray. Say to your neighbor, includes you. Somebody said, no, nah, not me, not me. I'm, I'm not cool. 
But on the cross, our Lord took on the fullness of what our sins deserve. He carried our guilt, whether it was spiritual, whether it was emotional, whether it was mental, in, 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 in ways that we cannot comprehend. God laid on Jesus what the, whatever barrier there was between us and him, which was our iniquities. Now, that word iniquity is a very powerful word. There's all kinds of meanings behind it. But one of the things is it includes our most severe wickedness that we ourselves are ashamed of. The thing that we are desperately afraid that anybody would know about us. He took all of that. So now we are free to have a relationship with him. Now, this is a tremendous privilege that few of us can fully explain. And having worked with the Lord for um, the length of time that I have, I am only beginning to scratch the surface after 35 years of walking with him. Beginning to scratch the beginnings of what it means to be loved by God unconditionally and to be able to freely live the way he created us to. So, as I bring this to a conclusion, what is the result of what Jesus has done? One, it means we receive cleansing. We receive cleansing from the pollution of sin. We receive cleansing. Isaiah 1.18 says this, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Beloved, God cleanses us because of the cross. Cleanses us from the pollution of sin. Secondly, he cleanses us by our faith in the blood of Jesus. In other words, by our faith that the blood of Jesus has washed us clean, that is made effective in our lives. In other words, we have to believe what Jesus did for us on the cross by shedding his blood on the cross. And thirdly, he cleanses us by our confession of sins. 1 John 1, 7 says this, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In verse 9, it says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But what does that word confession mean? Because this is crucial. Confession in this context means you say the same thing as the other person. In other words, if God says something is sin, we don't say it's a mistake. We say it's sin. If God says something is sin, we don't say times have changed. We say it's sin. Otherwise, if we can't confess the thing as sin, we cannot be forgiven from its penalty. All God wants us to be able to do is to acknowledge that something is wrong because he says it's wrong. Not because the church says it's wrong, not because the pastor says it's wrong, not because society says it's wrong, but because he says it's wrong. And what happens when we experience or receive what Jesus did on the cross? The second thing is we experience freedom. Freedom from the power of sin. And I'm concluding. We experience freedom from the power of sin. 
In other words, sin no longer controls how we live. Now, it does not mean you will not be vulnerable to sin. But before Jesus, what happened is this. When we sinned, we weren't even aware of it because we were under the control of sin. But when we come to Christ, what happens is we are free from the power of sin. So whenever we do the wrong thing, we become aware of it. Let me tell you something, beloved. When you are aware of something that is wrong in your life, it shows you are being set free from the power of sin. The Bible tells us that we have not yet resisted to the shedding of blood when it comes to our struggle with sin as believers. So it does not mean that because we are free from the power of sin, we will not have to contend with sin. But the difference is we are not ruled by sin. We can choose not to sin. Amen. And last but not least, we are free from the penalty of sin. We are free and we're cleansed from the penalty of sin. So I want to encourage you, as you go into your groups, that Jesus died for you because he loved you. And that he died for you to set you free from sin, from its power over your life. And that as you come to faith and as you believe in him, what will happen is what belongs to you through what he done on the cross, you will begin to experience. Now, I know that next week we'll talk about what it means to believe. But today, we're going to explore further why Jesus died. So I want us to pray before we go any further, and then we're going to go into our groups. Yeah, can we just bow our heads? Can we just close our eyes? We're going to pray. And uh, we're going to pray a simple prayer. Now, you might be here, and maybe as I shared, you, you felt like, you know what? I want to know more about God's love for me. And I want to experience the freedom that comes when my sins are forgiven. I wasn't able to touch on forgiveness, but the truth is, through what Jesus done on the, did on the cross, all your sins are forgiven you. And you're saying, you know what, I want to experience God's love through his forgiveness. So I want to pray right now. If that is you, where you're seated, you can just respond to God in your heart. I don't want you to raise your hand or anything like that. And just tell God, yes, Lord, I want more of this understanding. Heavenly Father, thank you for these precious ones. Lord, as we go into our groups, I ask that your Holy Spirit will continue to speak into our hearts. And that you will reveal your love to us as individuals. Will you bless these precious ones that are saying to you, they want to experience more of what it means to be free from the power of sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Why don't you go into your groups? Feel free to do that. And uh, we'll come back together. Lindsay will remind us um, that we need to come back together at quarter two. All right? God bless you. Thank you. Talk a lot, then, or you can ask. Maybe some of the people can join you if they.